Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Friday Finance. And today I am joined by Mason uh, Thorne. Mason is a financial advisor who has been a financial advisor for many years and uh, has joined. we've joined forces together uh, in the organization um, to really help people um, get in control of their wealth and, and help them to reach their goals and aspirations. But it's a passion for us to educate and, and try and help as many people as possible. So Friday Finance is really about speaking about topical things in the world and really trying to break down some of the stuff that's going on um, for people to be more informed about everything um, going on in the world of finance. Now, um, before I get started, as per usual, everything we tell you today is of a general nature. It doesn't take your personal circumstances into consideration, but hopefully you get a few golden nuggets out of this one um, to help you level up in your, in your wealth education. So Mason, thanks for jumping on and, and glad to have you on these, uh, on these sessions. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, it's nice to nice to join you, and uh, I'm really looking forward to discussing this this topic. It's I don't think there's anything more topical right now for everyone than interest rates. I think it'd be good to do a bit of a deep dive into the subject and mm. hopefully answer some questions that people may have. Yeah, it is. It's a very very topical one, and you know, as we're as we're talking in May 2022, um, you know, cash rates have just gone up in central banks. You know, not only in Australia, but you know, across the globe, they've started to really started to increase them. People are really starting to feel some pressure now on their on their hip pockets, and um, you know it's having effects everywhere. So you know, really looking to deep dive into this one as well too. Yeah, it'd be great. Look, the, I want to start off with I'm thinking, what are interest rates and like how how that how they come with an interest rate? Yeah, well, it's very interesting. Like when we talk about interest rates, you know, most people think about the interest rate on a home loan, okay? And obviously, an interest rate is as simply as the amount that you need to repay on that on that debt. So it's the rate in which you pay back that that loan that you've taken away. But you know, interest rates are everywhere. You know, there's an interest rate on a bank account. There's an interest rate on a term deposit. And you know, as interest rates are say lifting and putting more pressure on home loan and lending. On the other side of things, we're also experiencing at the moment cash accounts and term deposits also increasing as well too. So, you know, it's not something that's going to, you know, create a, a massive passive income stream at the moment, putting whacking money into a term deposit, but they are starting to lift. So we've got this kind of interest rate, which is either the amount that you need to repay on the debt or it's the amount that you're earning on some of these holdings um, as well too. And they do have interest rates does have an effect in regards to equities or, or stocks. It does have an impact in regards to property. It has an impact in regards to fixed income. Uh, interest rates is uh, one of the probably strongest levers. And that's why the RBA has that lever at that at their disposal, because they know by lifting them or, or, or decreasing the cash rate, it has such an impact into interest rates, which then has an impact into assets across the board. And I think, a big, big one as well too is there's a lot of people that think that the interest rates and cash rates are the same thing. They're actually not. They're a different thing. So the cash rate is what the RBA's lever is, but the cash rate has a direct impact on the interest rates because that that sovereign cash rate is then what dictates what the banks can lend that money at, Yeah, what the rate they're lending from the government to have that. So that is why there is so much of a direct correlation between the cash rate and the interest rate. 
Yeah, you mentioned there the RBA. So who controls the RBA? Is that a government thing or is it, are they separate from the government? Yeah, so the RBA is the Reserve Bank of Australia and in the US it's, you know, it's the Federal Reserve and obviously there's, there's central banks across the world. So our one is in Australia is the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Reserve Bank of Australia um, is an independent organisation outside of the government. The thing is, is that people believe there's a bit of a conflict because how do you get into the RBA is there's like a voting system and a, and a way through government to sit on that RBA, on those RBA seats. So they do believe it to be a little bit conflicted. I do trust our, uh, our, uh, our uh, democracy and, and the way that we kind of um, are in our, in our society to say that once they're in the RBA seat, they have been pretty good in, in staying um, unbiased. Um, so we look at it like today, you know, and I don't think Scott Morrison would have liked, um, you know, cash rates to go up on the lead up to an election. Um, but the RBA pulled the trigger because inflationary numbers with inflationary numbers. So um, it's good to see them acting um, outside of uh, direct government influence. Yeah, and it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine. With the election coming out, what we're hearing a lot is, We'll keep interest rates low, all this stuff, but they're independent things. So they actually haven't really got much of a control over it. So it's a bit, I see it's a bit, it's it's misleading the public in that in that sense. So I really don't, I don't like that personally with from government things. It's, it is an independent body, as you mentioned. Now, John, as well, you just mentioned inflation there and rates increasing. Inflation's also up. Is that a coincidence or is that is that a driving force behind these rate increases? Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's talk about inflation, okay? It's the buzzword as we're talking. Now, inflation is essentially the costs of goods going up, okay? Or deflation, which is going down, okay? So think about it. Um, most people would experience if they go buy groceries or they're buying things around at the moment that, that they're increasing, okay? Now, the government's concerned about that because the cost of living is getting harder and harder and harder for restraints okay therefore if inflation gets out of control it's detrimental for the economy okay now also puts pressure on businesses because businesses are then under the pressure from their employees for them to put wages up to then compensate with cost of living so it is detrimental for the economy if inflation goes up too quickly okay we want a sustained level of inflation. So we want the economy to grow, okay? We want, and that then drives costs of costs of living to go up, but we want it in a healthy range. Now, going back to the RBA, the RBA wants that between 2 to 4%, okay? As we speak right now, year on year is at 5.1. We have very likely chance that it's probably going to be a tick up, okay, um, before it comes down, okay? Now, the RBA is using the cash rate to slow down that year-on-year -year inflation rate or that inflation rate. How? By increasing the cash rate, lending becomes a little bit tighter. If lending becomes a little bit tighter, the cost of living pushes towards debt repayments, okay, or covering debt, rather than going on to other items, okay? So by lifting the cash rate, 
they're trying to intentionally slow down the economy. But by doing that, they're trying to slow down the cost of living. Okay, so inflation is um, linked to the growth in the economy. If it runs off too quickly, it is dangerous. Okay, if it runs at a manageable level, it is good. And if it goes backwards, well, then the economy is not in a good place either, okay? And that's where you see uh, recessions happen. Um, that's where you see uh, economies really slow down and uh, livelihoods and high unemployment rates and, and stuff like that, okay? Um, now, going back to the RBA, remember that cash rate is the lever to increase interest rates and then those interest rates is what's also slowing down that inflation. Hopefully, I've explained that well, Mason. Yeah, I think you've explained that really well. I think that's a really good guide into how inflation and interest rates play a role with each other. Now, there's a lot of a lot of talk now that these rate increases are going to lead. The, there's a bit of talk about a property house crash at this point in time. So, I guess the RBA has to raise that rate slowly but surely to get to a certain point without the system breaking. Mm. So, I guess my question to you is. How long can we expect rate rises to keep going for? I mean, you're not, you haven't got a crystal ball, of course, but in your professional opinion and what history has told us, mm-hmm. how quickly can we solve this inflation problem? First and foremost, I don't have a crystal ball, so thanks for mentioning that. And I think, I think though, housing prices is not necessarily the Reserve Bank of Australia's problem, okay? Um, They're not looking at it going, oh, all of a sudden Sydney house prices have gone down. Oh, sorry, we should, you know, solve, you know, we should do something about that, okay? So the RBA is there to ensure that they're utilising that cash rate, that lever, okay, to keep a lid on the economy, yeah? Make sure it doesn't fall over, yeah? Making sure it doesn't boil over. And so the RBA will do what's required to get inflation down. Now, we then have to ask ourselves, why is inflation happening, okay? To answer how quickly this can come down. And then, and I'll take a pause on that because I'll go into that a little bit deeper, but Guys, remember that the property market went bang, especially for Sydney, Melbourne, and Queensland, when money was cheap, okay? Now, where they're talking about, most economists, the right cash rate landing is around the kind of 25 to 2.75% by the end of 2023, okay? So to knock that on its head. So as interest rates go up, on, on lending environments, the pressure on property is going to continue to be there, okay? Because simple for the fact that lenders will also increase their assessment rates for you to be able to borrow new money, okay? You'll also not have the uh, serviceability to maybe change loans or get increased debt. So guys, the lending up or down controls 
a, a large part of the property market. Why? Australia, similar to Canada and New Zealand, yeah, have high household debt towards property, okay? Now, different to the US, okay? So as interest rates have fallen, property prices have gone out of control in regards to the level of income to debt ratios, okay? And for everyone who's not in the lending space, lenders have been tightening on what we call debt to income ratio for a little bit. Most lenders now won't be, it's very difficult to lend above six times your, your, your income to debt ratio, okay? So you've got serviceability. You've got measures being done already by lenders because of what APRA has done, okay? The government and the people in the know don't want the property market to fall. They don't want it to crumble but they also don't want it to keep on screaming at the rate that it has been since COVID, yeah? Some places are 25, 30, 50% up in some areas, yeah? That is unsustainable growth, yeah? Regardless of if you're in property or stocks or whatever it is. So when these rates are going up, which the RBA, I think, would be, it would be very shocking if they went and just jumped at, at 1% or 100 basis points, yeah? I think they're going to increase incrementally okay until they feel that inflation is under control okay so most people that are doing the modeling in regards to uh economists in regards to where they think the cash rate is and then the effects that has on debts and the effects that happens on serviceability see that most property prices in the capital cities are going to kind of resettle about 15 to 25 percent off their highs okay so Where's 15 to 25% though? That's what people need to think, yeah? Well, that was pre-COVID levels, yeah? So like the stock market, like everything else, you might need to just zoom out a bit, yeah? Now, people are trying to time this. People are trying to get in and get out. That's very dangerous, guys, okay? You may have heard me on my Cash Talk podcast or if you've seen me or heard me before, timing the market is not what it's about. It's about time in the market when it comes to long-term assets. And if you're in there to make a quick buck, well, that's going against my philosophy. And Mason, I know that's going against your philosophy as well too, yeah? Um, so I think that, yes, there's going to be a correction. I'm on the bucket that there is going to be a correction. And not just me saying that. There's data already coming out saying that Sydney and Melbourne, there's a bit of cooling going on already, okay? Um, and I think it's one of those ones, if it's sustained and levels down okay it's the most ideal situation to be in okay um as much as everyone has an obsession with property prices continuing to soar yeah um the harder it goes up the harder it will fall yeah um so sustained growth is good for nearly all asset classes that's that's a very good summary there of, of how that plays a role in the house price which i think is really really valuable for people so Correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm someone, I'm looking to buy buy a home to live in and things, and I've been looking for a while, I've found something I like, I'm hearing this stuff in the market right now, and what you've just said, you believe there could potentially be a correction. Mm -hmm. Should I still be buying a home to live in now, or should I be waiting? Like, what's what should I be doing? Yeah. See, so the, the thing is, Mason, is that you'll never get the timing spot on, 
Okay, so some people will get the timing done right once, they'll get the timing done right second, and then all of a sudden they believe themselves to be an absolute guru and and it's the third or the fourth one that catches you out, yeah, and wipes you out. And I've seen some stories already where people have, that's unfortunately happened to them, okay? Um, it's like being at the poker table and your confidence is getting bigger and bigger and so your chips get bigger and bigger and then bang, you're all wiped out, yeah? So I think for the people that are entering in the property market, you remember that you're in an asset class, okay? So um, I forget the term by Warren Buffett and Mason, please remind me, but it's coming to mind. It's like he talks about the stock market that if you're not willing to put your money into something for 10 years, yeah, um, you know, don't even think about it for 10 minutes, yeah? Um, and that's, that's the reality when it comes to property. Yeah, people rem- don't need to remember that this is a growth asset. A growth asset on the risk to return spectrum, yeah, is up the higher end of the risk scale. And the unfortunate thing is, Mason, that in Australia, we haven't been conditioned for any property downturns, but we have had them, yeah? Um, people just haven't t- taken notice of them, okay? Um, you haven't had what you had in the US, which was, you know, down to, you know, stuff all the worth of value. I think, you know, some values dropping by 70, 80% um, and, you know, then people walking out on them. Now, the Australian system is a little bit different to the US system. Um, Also, we've got some levers to ensure that that doesn't just, you know, happen over here. But, you know, I think it's it's once again goes back to not timing the market and it's about timing the market. But, I also feel a little bit sorry for the people that are entering in the market as well too, Mason. You know, um, a lot of people are going to get a nice little surprise or not a nice and probably bad little surprise that they're like, yeah, awesome, prices may have gone down by 15 or 20%, but lending assessment rates have also gone up as well too. And so what they could have borrowed is not what they can borrow now and they find themselves still in that trap, yeah? And so... You know, I talk about what we do with our clients anyway around, you know, helping them to elevate their income, having techniques in place to be able to kind of put them in a position to buy this stuff. And I think more than ever, people need to carefully plan their financial futures and to look at the alternatives. You know, I think most people are fixated on one option or or not fixated, you know, or don't look elsewhere. I think looking elsewhere and seeing what your options are before you go and dump into the property market because that's what everyone's told me I should do. And, um, you know, this I'm not just saying this is the property. This is probably across the board, yeah, stock market, whatever it may be. Um, careful planning and considering your options um, right now has been, is more important than ever. Well, that reflects my view too. I think particularly if you're buying your own home, like, yes, when the value goes down, it's not a good feeling, but it's, it's not really an asset there that it's not, I wouldn't call it an investment asset per se. It's saying it's your lifestyle. Like you find a place that you really love, you're going to grow, grow your family there. It's, it's, it's more than a money decision. So if you find it, I think, and you can afford to, I think grab it because you don't know in two years time or three years time, that probably might not be there to get. So I think that's got to play a role in that decision as well. It's not a complete investment decision. 100%, you know, um, I'll have clients that reach out to me and are like, we want to buy that house. That's where we want to live. Or um, we're in a three-bedroom. We need a four-bedroom home. Yeah, we literally do. Um, 
And so that is more of a lifestyle choice because, you know, let's say going, let's say someone's in the market and they're an upgrader, okay? Um, they, they're in a house worth 800000 and they want to go to $1.2 million, I'm just saying, yeah? You know, more often than not, if you increase the value of your property, the one you live in by 400000 there's probably better things to do with that 400000 than put it into an asset that doesn't generate you an income, yeah? But that's their lifestyle choice. It's the same choice as if, you know, why do I go overseas to go on a holiday for? Like, these are lifestyle choices. So I think that's a really good point that you raise in regards to lifestyle choices and 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 financial choices. And I think, though, Mason, the asset is so big, okay, I think that you can't drive all of your lifestyle choices a lot, all on lifestyle choice. You do need to have a level of of planned carefully and go through the stages. And I recently did a uh, modeling with a, a young lady who wanted to buy um, some property, okay? And in the first year, her modeling was fine. Second year was fine. Third year was getting a little bit worse. Fourth year, ran out of money. Fifth year, selling assets. Um, if she didn't carefully plan, if she didn't take the time to go down the process, just think about the damage that would take by not carefully planning. And unfortunately, a lot of these decisions in regards to homes, Mason, are made based on emotion and not based on logic. Okay? And um, as you know, any financial decision you make, you want it based on logic, not based on emotion. So um, even though these are lifestyle choices, and I get it, um, careful planning and uh, logical decisions need to be made um, because these lifestyle choices will make them financial choices very, very quickly. Yeah, I think that's a really good point you raised. Like it's there's definitely a, a, you gotta weigh it up. There's yes, lifestyle, but then also financial. And it's it's important to have the conversation with someone like an advisor to help you make that decision. Because yeah, as you said, emotions play a crucial, crucial part in any of these main decisions. Um, and we're all we're all prone to them. Uh, even the experts, they're all, we're all prone to them. Um, I think we should take. We've talked about a bit about property, but how about some other assets? So how about interest rates in the stock market, for example? How does that how how are interest rates playing a role in there? I know there's so many companies on the on the stock exchange, so it's probably not one size fits all, of course. But as an overall asset class, what's 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 your thoughts on that? Yeah, so we have seen for a fair amount of time a rotation out of growth-orientated stocks to what we call value-orientated stocks, okay? And essentially what it does when interest rates increase, okay, it puts pressure on cash flow, okay? So if you don't have good cash flow, your business is going to be affected, okay? Because you need to repay that debt or else you need to start selling stuff to pay that debt back, okay? So what we're seeing is because the stock market is made up of businesses, okay, is we're seeing the pressure on put on it in two ways, okay? Way number one is the actual stocks themselves, okay, feeling the pressure from the cash flow, okay? But remember, the price you pay for that stock 
is mainly influenced by the people who are buying and selling it, okay? So when you look at, for example, I don't know, the mum and dad who's recently, their cash rate's gone up by 1.5%, yeah? If they don't have a sound financial plan to accommodate for this, they might be selling this, okay? And so what we're having is we're having two things happening at the same time. You're having the fundamentals of these businesses being put under pressure, okay? Some of them, okay? And then you've got the actual fundamentals of the household affecting the stock market, okay? Now, not everyone is losing in this, okay? Now, you think about it, yes, prices are going down and we can talk about the psychology around that, but the reality is there's businesses that are thriving, okay? So I say this, and I've said this many, many times before, in times of hardship, it's the better businesses that get better, okay? Why? Because when money's cheap, everyone can make money. It's easy, you can borrow it, you can lend it, you can worry about it another day. But when that starts to get a little bit harder, this is where we're settling. And we're looking at some of the COVID darlings, as they say, get absolutely smashed. Why? They were running at extremely high PE ratios. Essentially, what they were earning and what they were priced at, the gap was really wide, okay? It was at huge levels. But the likes of some staple names, okay? Um, and I really don't want to get into the particular stocks, obviously, for disclosure reasons, but the, 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 the household names that if you can think about it like the steady eddies, like regardless of what happens in economic conditions, they kind of sail through, okay? Um, think about, you know, toothpaste companies, for example, yeah? Yeah. Um, Everyone still has toothpaste, regardless of what's going on. And they've got usually lower price to earnings or lower PEs, okay? And what that means is that their earnings are really healthy in comparison to the price that people are paying for, okay? Now, to break this down even more, because it is getting a little bit complex, but to break this down even further, ultimately, it comes down to cash flow, okay? Cash flow of business, cash flow of personal. Interest rates go up. Pressure applies onto cash flow, both personal and both in business. And I know that in our with our clients, we've been talking about personal cash flow. I even ran a cash flow challenge recently, trying to build up healthy cash flow levels. Okay. And so in the stock market, the businesses that have cash flow problems are now experiencing share market problems. Okay. And that's what's going on at the moment, mate. Yeah, so if I, I'll try something in a really uh, concise way. So from what I heard from you just then, companies who are selling needs are still doing quite well, but the, those other companies who are potentially more after the wants, the luxury items, they're the ones that can potentially struggle a little bit as the cost of living increases. Mm -hmm. Is that a good way to sum that up? Yeah, correct. Look, this is public information. You go have a look at Netflix, Okay. Netflix is down, what, 75% or something? Yeah, why? If you go look at that, you don't need 
to stream movies or series. You don't need to. You might want to, but you don't need to. Also, it's easy to jump on, but it's also very easy to jump out. Okay? And because of that business model, they're feeling it under pressure. Yeah? And um, I'm not saying that Netflix is going to fall over. I'm not saying that it's a good stock to buy now or a good stock to sell, please. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's the economics. The economics is based on supply and demand. The economics um, is telling us that the demand for that stock is down, okay? Um, And that's how it kind of rolls. Like, uh, you look at energy now. Look at the energy sector, yeah? I'll give you an example. Um, Old energy, okay? So dirty energy, if you want to call it, yeah, is skyrocketing at the moment. Why? Because they need it. People need to fill up the car. They need to heat their houses. They need to do what they need to do. It's a need. Clean energy, which I think probably everyone in the world will probably agree that we're moving some way to clean energy. Most governments around the world have committed to going to clean energy between 2030 to 2050, okay, is getting absolutely smacked at the moment. Okay? Why? Demand shifted. Okay? Does that mean that you jump onto old energy and dirty energy and get away from clean energy? Hmm. It's your call, you know, the watchers and the listeners here. Yeah. But the reality is that's the shift. It's moving right now because of interest rates mainly. There's other factors that are in play at the moment, wars and pandemic and supply chain issues that are influencing all of these as well. But also, um, you're moving to needs, not to wants, okay? Um, It has a factor in all asset classes. Now, I want to make some points as well too. People have also said, while we're talking about interest rates, um, what's the problem with the state of the market right now, okay? And everyone jumps to interest rates. We've been talking about a lot today, Yeah. And an economist that who I highly, highly respect, okay? The world is worried. Oh, well, he said this. The world is worried that we're going to go into a world recession, okay? Where the world is essentially economically going backwards, okay? That's what the world's worried about. And they're worried that central banks are increasing cash rates and interest rates too aggressively that it will cause a global recession okay interest rates is a very very powerful tool okay very very powerful the cash rate linked to the interest rates very powerful tool um and you're also seeing happening at the moment in the stock market is people are moving to more defensive risk-free assets okay because they're starting to earn something remember how we talked about lending issues and all of that stuff well what's great recipients of interest rates Cash, yeah, cash goes up, yeah. Um, you start to earn some money from the cash that's in your bank account that you haven't been getting before. Um, so it's this it's this shift into different asset classes, these shifts in regards to different cyclical environments, okay? Um, very, very powerful. Yeah, it's a really powerful tool. And I think, well, I think what you said there about a global recession, that, that sounds quite quite terrifying, really. To, to think about that since 
don't know if I'm, not, I'm quite young, but ever since I've been alive, it's just been prosperous growth, growth, growth. I mean, we've had some bad times, either tech bubble, GFC and things, but this seems a little bit, it seems somewhat different. I know when you're in the moment, I guess it does feel different. We might look back on it and might not, it might just be much of the same. But is there any final thoughts that you have with this topic and something we can leave the people with? Give me a bit of confidence moving forward. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, all these words that we're talking about, this global recession, you know, this inflationary environment. Mason, we've got through worse before, you know, and I've got to hope that we'll get through um, as well too because, you know, we've withstood World War II, for example. Um, the global financial crisis in 2008 was Pretty bad, yeah? Um, pretty sinister. Um, you know, in the 70s, and we had stagflation, which is this other buzzword, okay, where kind of things were like not in an ideal situation economically. Um, first and foremost, it goes back to your personal plan, okay? And what I mean by that is this. Most of the investment decisions that you make with your money is based on a few key factors. One of them is your time horizon, okay? Now, the problem is, okay, is some people may have invested not in line with their time horizon. And Mason, I know we work on this a lot, okay? They also haven't invested maybe in line with their risk tolerance, okay? Because the saddest thing is that most people don't seek professional advice or don't seek help, let's talk about it, to put robust financial plans in place to get where they need to get to. And you know how passionate I am about what we do, but um, I we do this to ensure that clients sail through regardless of the outcome, okay, regardless of the outcome. We have diversification and negative correlation between assets. You know, as things go up, some things go down, as we've talked about today. And I think when you talk about interest rates, you need to then go, okay, well, if this is happening, what can I control to make this to make this get through? Okay. Um, my parents always talk about the rates that they used to pay back in the day in the 80s and stuff like that on their home loans. And our older clients do say the same thing in regards to what they used to pay. And if you look at the way that they lived their life back then, it would have been 85% need, okay, related, 15% want related, okay? And lately, it's been the opposite, yeah? 20% probably needs, yeah? 80% probably wants, yeah? And that's shifting. So for everyone out there, the most thing is to look within, okay? Control what you can control, okay? Control yourself, okay? Not make rash decisions with your money, okay? And ensure to yourself that you will make change when things happen, okay? And what I mean by that is this, okay? Carefully plan. Have a roadmap, okay? Figure out the way that you're going to make things happen, okay? And ensure that you're investing wisely, not silly, okay? Now has not been a time to kind of muck around, but 
I know that we will get through, okay? And the economy will continue to grow. Why? Well, if you look at the stock market, every single business in that stock market wakes up to earn more profit, okay? Now, some won't make it through, but some will, okay? And I can assure you that in 10 years' time, businesses will still be trying to operate to earn profit, okay? Now, cash is like oxygen, okay? If you don't have it, just for two minutes, everything is gone. You may have heard the saying before, cash is king. It always has been and always will be, okay? There's a few assurities in life. Going back to what I'm talking about here, Mason, is you can see that I'm not panicked. I am not running around like a headless chook, yeah? I'm basing all of what I'm saying today based on logic, okay? And when you think about the property market, yes, there's going to be some people that hurt. In the stock market, there's going to be some people that hurt. In the What's going on in crypto is horrendous. It makes me sad, okay? Um. There'll be some people that learn some lessons, okay? And there will be some people that get some opportunity out of it. Successful investing is not easy, okay? Whoever tells you that is telling you rubbish, okay? Uh, I've been in the industry for 20 years and I can assure you it's not uh, it's not uh, easy. There's a few gray hairs along the way um, by just trying to keep up with what's going on in the world, okay? Um, what about you, Mason? Do you have any tips for, for anyone and, and maybe some some um, things that we can leave them with? Um, yeah, I just think, I always think that we will always endure. We're, as humans, as a human race, we're very resilient um, and bad things will happen and even during good times, there's losers during the good times as well. So no matter what circumstance we're in as an economy, there's always going to be winners, there's always going to be losers there's always been people who are doing really well, people who aren't doing so well, and people who are floating around the middle. Um, so I think it's just, as you said, sticking to your plan and not not going off course because we're we might be seeing some headwinds. It's keep going, keep pushing through, and good times are ahead. I, as you said, I, I'm very confident. I'm not I'm not concerned in the slightest, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, look, it's. It's kind of worrying seeing some of your, your balances go in the red and bitten and waking up every morning checking that stock app and it's a bit red. But we've had a good 10 years. We've got to remember that. We've had such a good time. Um, this is this is always bound to happen. It didn't happen the way we expected it to with COVID and things. Mm-hmm. But life's very unexpected and just got to roll with punches. And I think when it comes to interest rates, we've also been very blessed, yeah? Uh, we've been in the lowest interest rate environment uh, for forever, pretty much. Um, so, you know, they're bound to normalise, okay? And um, I think for all the viewers and all the listeners, if you need help, there's help out there, okay? Um, if you find this too much for you, the worst thing you can do is avoid it, okay? Um, I think that by having a plan, having, um, you know... A, a clear strategy to get you through, okay, is, 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 is key. And I think when it comes to the specific topic about interest rates, really starting to work through what's necessary and what's not necessary, okay, and really trying to have a structured um, system, okay, of 
accommodating for this cost of living that's going to be potentially a little bit more expensive, okay, um, for the at least the short term ahead, okay. So, Mason, we might wrap it up there, but it's been a great session talking about interest rates and some of the things that are happening in the world. Now, uh, we'll be trying to do this uh, as often as we can and, and do this on a weekly basis. So, feel free to tune in next time. Um, but, Mason, once again, thanks for jumping on and uh, we'll see everyone next time. Good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.